Welcome to another episode of a Light in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Lady B. Trigger warning. The topic for today is trauma bonding. Yes, you heard me correctly. Trauma bonding. Before I get into the show, how many of you have ever heard of the phrase trauma bonding? I think it was last year that I first heard that phrase and, well, it got stuck in my head. So then I knew I had to do some research and talk about it. Knowledge is power, right? So according to ChoosingTherapy.com, trauma bonding happens when an abuser uses manipulation tactics and cycles of abuse to make the victim feel dependent on them for care and validation, causing a strong attachment or bond. This often occurs in romantic, narcissistic relationships, but can also occur in families, friendships, or work relationships. The BetterHelp.com website says the question often arises of why survivors of abuse, domestic violence, and other issues willingly remain in hostile relationships. And the answer comes down to the psychological notion of survival. Yes, you heard correctly, survival. When we suffer traumatic experiences, we emotionally shut ourselves off. And we don't allow ourselves to take action. We become numb and resort to our primitive instincts to cope. To ensure survival, the survivor may subconsciously focus on the positive attributes of their abuser, not their negative ones. How often do we hear people tell stories of their partner's violent streak followed by the phrase, but apart from that, he's a nice guy. So I did something similar to that. When the now ex and I were still together, I would tell myself the good things that he did while I clearly ignored the negative and toxic things that occurred within the relationship. Now, how many of us used to see the red flags but painted them a different color? Let me go ahead and raise my hand for that one because I know I did. Even to this day, I remember the very first red flag that I ignored. I remember sitting in bed with my back against the wall. He sat in front of me. I don't remember the conversation, but I remember his face being a few inches from mine. I remember his eyes looked empty, soulless, but mostly I remember not being afraid. I remember thinking he would never put his hands on me, that he loved me so he would never hurt me. Once again, at that moment, I wasn't afraid. Well, as the infamous saying goes, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now let's go back to ChoosingTherapy.com so we can get info on the seven stages of trauma bonding. In the seven proposed stages of trauma bonding, often they begin as seemingly excellent relationships before gradually turning into an abusive dynamic. This progression is part of the reason this bond can profoundly impact a victim's worldview, perception of reality, and their relationship with themselves. The seven stages of trauma bonding are, drum roll please, number one, love bombing. Love bombing involves a sudden, intense attempt to create a we in a relationship through high praise and excessive flattery. Number two is trust and dependency. In this stage, an abuser may purposefully test the victim's trust and dependency on them, usually leading to the target feeling guilty for questioning their partner. 
Doubts are expressed in a healthy relationship, and it takes time to get to know someone, not only for what they say, but also for what they do. When confronting the abuser at this stage, you may get a lot of flack for discounting all that they have done for you, which is why the love bombing stage provides a vital setup for dependency. In trauma bonds, the idea that you can trust an abuser in the relationship is an illusion. I repeat, it is an illusion. Number three is criticism. Once they've got your trust, emotional abusers may start to pick apart some of your qualities, identifying them as insignificant or problematic. This criticism can feel sudden, especially after experiencing the love bombing stage. But it is common for abusers to wait until a victim's trust has been tested before they begin criticizing them. The criticism phase is most noticeable during intense arguments or disagreements where the abuser will likely blame their partner and the target may end up over-apologizing for things that are not their fault. This back and forth dance of harsh criticism and over-apologizing is the glue forming the trauma bond. Number four, manipulation and gaslighting. Gaslighting and manipulation are two forms of psychological abuse often seen in trauma bonds that ultimately make victims question their reality and perception. Gaslighters would never fully or honestly take responsibility for their behaviors and tend to shift blame onto the other person. It is very common for gaslighters to suddenly seem calm, cool, and collected once they have pushed their target to their breaking point. Gaslighting is a textbook behavior among common types of abusers like narcissists, hello somebody, sociopaths, and psychopaths. Number five is resignation and giving up. When dealing with a trauma bond, it is very common for targets of abuse to start giving in at some point to avoid more conflict. This trauma response or bargaining and people-pleasing behaviors may ensure the relationship can remain somewhat stable. Targets may have some awareness they are being manipulated, but that small awareness may not be enough to exit the relationship yet because the target may still be questioning whether or not they are to blame for the abuser's behavior. Before I continue, I want to let you know that you are not to blame for the abuser's behavior. That is all on the abuser and not the victim. Now, number six, loss of self. Throughout the stages of a trauma bond, there is a progressive loss of self, which brings tremendous pain and a disconnection from the world we once knew. People who leave abusive relationships may not seem like their usual selves due to a loss of their own identity and personal boundaries. Trauma bonds can be increasing. Oops. Trauma bonds can be incredibly isolating as you may lose many of your social connections due to the changes of self-identity that no longer match what people close to you are used to. This level of psychological destruction may lead to a complete loss of confidence and even suicidal ideation. For many, this emotional torture, shame, and guilt is built up for years, which can make it very difficult to face and move forward from. And finally, number seven, addiction to the cycle. 
Often in trauma bonds, the stages can be cyclical. After a significant conflict, there may be a cool down or honeymoon period. At this moment of peace, the abuser might apologize and start the love bombing process all over again, which makes the target feel relieved and desired, thus positively reinforcing a dependency on this abusive cycle. Conversely, the abuser may completely shut down, become avoidant, and withhold all love, affection, and attention as a way to pressure or force the victim to apologize. When the responsibility and blame become pinned on the target, they may go to extremes to gain back favor from their abuser. By doing so, the target is falsely given the sense that they have control and they may draw conclusions that the abuser must really love them when they succeed at winning them back, reinforcing the idea that the victim is to blame. Now I just want to shed a little light on a dark topic that we don't talk about or hear about that much. Trauma bonding is an issue that needs to be discussed. I'll tell you that when I read about the seven stages of trauma bonding, I almost fell over. It was so accurate and on point for me and what I had experienced with the ex. So for more information on trauma bonding or other topics, check out the following websites. BetterHelp.com ChoosingTherapy.com SuicidePreventionLifeline.org Just to name a few. Now it's disclaimer time. I'm not a therapist. If you need a therapist, please seek a licensed professional. Mental health is important. This has been another episode of Light in the Dark Podcast, and I am your host, Lady B. Until next time, this is...